0: Let's pray as we open God's Word this morning. Father, this morning we, uh, we, we come back to this story we've been going over for the past eight months or so, God, as a church. The story of the good news of the Gospel, these seeds that have been planted in our lives. This morning, God, I pray that You would continue to cause these seeds to bear fruit, God. That You would allow us to be the people who scatter, but also the people who scatter the right kinds of seeds in our lives. God, this morning I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ should be formed in our hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I'm going to skip a few things this morning to make sure we, we only have so much time this morning. But I want to start by reading from the book of 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible with you, uh, join me in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. so we think about the good news that we've talked about over the last eight months together, these seeds of the gospel, these fundamentals. Uh, we've talked about uh, becoming trees that are like these redwood trees that you'd find in a redwood forest, right? These Being a church of redwoods that grow up. And, uh, and, and these are the seeds that allow those redwoods to grow up, the seeds of the good news. But I want us to get our picture in this, because as we share the good news with others, as we're people who are involved in evangelism, growing up, I, I think I had the wrong picture of what evangelism was. I had a lot of guilt when I didn't do what I needed to do to share faith with people. And And I I really thought so much depended on me in that. And what I've realized as Paul talks to the Corinthians is there was a message in this passage that I needed growing up about the seeds that we're planting in the lives of people that we love. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be, each will be rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. This is really important for us to understand. The Corinthians church, people were starting to gather around the leaders who were leaders of that church. Some were gathering themselves in a faction following Apollos. And some were gathering themselves in another faction that was Paul's faction. And some were claiming Jesus and some Cephas, Peter. And, and, and Paul writes them to say, look, if you're following a leader, a, a human person, you've got the picture wrong. But he also shares an important concept and insight for us as we begin to share this good news with others. And that is, it's not your responsibility for the growth to come of the gospel. That's God's work. Your job is to plant seeds, and it's to water those seeds. And here's what I've come to find out is, I thought so much of my work in in life would be to take people from planting seeds to to seeing the fruit come out of their lives. But so often in my life, that hasn't been the case. I haven't gotten to see the whole process. But you know what I have done? I have planted seeds in the lives of people. I know you all have as well. Many of you have taught our kids, uh, even Nathan this morning, this seed has is, is, is sprouted as a result of the work of so many of you and, and the same with his parents who've, who've raised him in a, in a family of faith to see fruit grow. We're seeing that. We see those examples. And so sometimes we're the people who plant the seeds and we never even see it come out of the ground. Others of us, we, we water the seeds. and We begin to see uh, something come up out of the ground. We see some kind of growth. And, and others of us, we get to see the fruit of their lives that develops. That's exciting, isn't it? And sometimes when I see the fruit, sometimes I mistake my work as, well, I must have done something great for this to happen. No, No, that's not really how it works. God's the one who brings the growth. And this has relieved me so much when it comes to my responsibility, when it comes to evangelism and sharing the good news with people is I'm not always going to see the growth from the beginning stage of planting to the fruit that comes. Sometimes I'm going to see the sprout come forth. Sometimes you're going to pour into people's lives and you won't see the full benefit. This is like the, the, the job description of a youth minister, right? You never see the fruit. All you see is that in-between stage. And that can be hard sometimes, right? Some of you who are parents of teenagers, you understand that some of you are walking through that with, with kids that are out of college even, still hoping to see fruit. We're all in this, these different stages trying to plant uh, our fruit and, and plant seeds in the lives of others. But these, I submit to you, these symbols are the seeds that we're planting, They're the seeds of the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. They're the fundamentals. And over the last eight months, we've been trying to sow these seeds again into our lives and sow them into people around us. Beginning of this year, we talk about who's your one? Who's the one person that God's calling you to to sow seeds into in this year? My hope is that you're planting those seeds, you're watering them. Who knows what God will do with them? We still have those names actually out in our front lobby that we hope you'll pass by and be reminded of these names we're praying for, that God would produce fruit. But I want to go back, and I want to uh, point you to the. Hopefully, there's a paper in the chair in front of you or close by that has what looks like a napkin, actually on it. We we cray this is just paper, but really, what we wanted to do is I wanted to simplify this year the message of the good news down to these symbols, because symbols are powerful. Symbols have been used throughout history, they have so much meaning and depth that's underneath them. And these this paper that's in front of you, I want you to. Uh, use this to take notes on this morning, because what I hope you leave with is we've done eight months of all this. I want to narrow that down. I want to summarize that in a conversation that you might end up having with someone around a table later this week or maybe later this year, and and maybe you don't know how you'd share the good news. I hope after these eight months, you've had a better sense that that you could take a napkin uh, at a restaurant, you could write these symbols down, and you could share in some sense the story of Jesus with them. So this morning, I want to kind of have that conversation of, how I might have that conversation. For those of you that may not know how to get started, but it's vital that we share our story as part of God's story in these as well. So it's not just the story of Jesus. How does your life line up and where are the points of contact with these symbols with your story as you're seeing it lived out? So the first of these symbols we talked about this year is the downward arrow. It's the story of Jesus coming into the world, coming to be fully human and fully God in one person. We read that story in John chapter 1. If you have your Bible, feel free to open there with me. John tells this story a little different at the beginning of the gospel uh, as he writes it. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then drop down to verse 14, talks more about this. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The story begins with good news. God creates the world as good, but as we know, the story goes into all kinds of trouble. Adam and Eve eat the fruit, but if we're honest, Adam and Eve's not just a one-time story that happened. It, we believe it happened, but at the same time, we believe this happens every day in our lives, don't we? That we choose things that aren't God's best and we find consequences that come as a result of it. And God tries to send His community, Abraham and the Israelites, to be a, a different kind of community, but they fail as well. And so we read John 1, the story of God sending his son Jesus into the world. This is the first symbol. But, but along, after that comes the cross. We know that Jesus, because of the religious authorities and the political authorities, they come together to snuff out his life far too soon. And so Jesus ends up on a cross. And, and the cross means all kinds of things. We see that symbolized in the baptism that happened earlier today, right? It's this burial of Jesus that comes up to new life. And that's a story and a retelling of the gospel every time we see baptisms. But one of the ways that, Hebrew, that Hebrews talks about the cross is one I want to remind us of that we talked about earlier in the series. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 is one metaphor among many in Scripture about what the cross does in our lives. It says there, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives We're held in slavery by their fear of death. Many of us know what it feels like. We know that mortality is is what we face. We know that death is on the horizon at some point unless Jesus chooses to return before that time. There's a fear that gets developed in us. There's this concern about what's that going to be like? And, And so that creates all kinds of trouble in our lives. Sin is the result of this fear and this slavery to the fear of death. And what Hebrews 2 is saying is that Jesus' death on the cross released us from that fear. We no longer have to be afraid of death in the same way. For those who are in Jesus Christ, there's a new hope available. But that cross wasn't the end of the story, is it? Because three days later, Jesus rose. He resurrected from the dead. And that resurrection is a first fruits of what we'll experience one day as well. But but He raises from the dead. And this is the power that's unleashed now. We're called to live an abundant life. That's what's offered to us for those who choose this resurrection life. Unfortunately, not too long after that, Jesus left the earth. And it seemed like bad news, but we discovered in this series that that actually it's good news because Jesus says, one greater than me is coming. And you'll actually do greater things once I'm gone than even what we did while I was here. So he sends a new power. He sends the Holy Spirit into our lives to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead as it work in our lives as well. But he also gave us a new calling. So your calling as the church is now to to make disciples of all nations, make followers of me that look like me, and and, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. I'm I'm with you all along the way in this process. So we have a new calling and we have a uh, a, a new power at work. And then finally, the final symbol is a reminder that we have a future hope. What John describes in Revelation 21 is the new heaven's and the new earth. God's going to restore and renew it all. One day, our bodies will be handed back to us far better than they are right now. Can I get an amen? Cancer will be no more. And all the diagnoses and the fears, death and all His friends will be thrown away, will not be allowed in God's new world as it is intended to be. This is the good news. And in each of these symbols, I find my story. And this is where I want you to connect is, it's not enough just to tell the story of Jesus. We are witnessing to God's work among us. And so what is it that God's currently, what's his ongoing work? Not just 2,000 years ago, but today. And so these symbols represent the same thing for me. And I hope you'll find at least one of these symbols where as you tell the story, perhaps to, to friends, you'll be able to connect and say, this is how this is impacting my life. For instance, the first symbol, the story of a downward arrow is a reminder that God sent Jesus into the world And in the same way, I can't hide inside the four walls of a church and think all my work's going to be done there. We are called as the people of God into the world, into our neighborhoods, into our businesses. We are called to leave this place and be sent out so that we might be in the world. We're not of it, but we're called to be in it. And sometimes we've lost that mission. That's a reminder to me of my life being called back for the good of the world. The same thing with The cross. Jesus said, whoever would follow me has to take up their cross and follow me. Live a life of sacrifice. Be willing to give up everything uh, in order for Jesus to be our Lord and Savior. That's what we say when we're baptized. Are you ready to make Him the Lord of your life? Are you ready to go wherever He calls you to go and do whatever He asks you to do, to sacrifice whatever it is uh, so that that His name might be glorified? The resurrection. I, I haven't experienced resurrection yet, but there's a promise that one day we'll all be resurrected. Uh, for those who are caught up in Jesus Christ. And so there's a hope one day, but also I'm experiencing an abundant life. I'm learning to follow the commands of Jesus because what I'm finding is His commands point me to the abundant life, a rich and satisfying life, and they point me away from trouble. And then there's the ascension, there's the reminder that, that even though Jesus has left us, the Holy Spirit is with us, and, and this ongoing work of planting seeds in our lives that sprout up in the fruit of the Spirit, that's a, an ongoing work of sanctification and growth that God does in our lives, but but our future is still in the way. So some of you may find yourself today trying to move out of church, and your symbol right now that you want to share with others is, I'm being called back into the world because I spent way too much time huddled up with small groups and Christians, and I've now been developed muscles enough to be able to, to share this good news and not be pushed aside by the world. Others of us It may be the cross that we feel right now. We feel like this is a time of of difficulty in our lives and we're being called to, to sacrifice and to be reminded of giving up our lives for the good news. Some of us, it may be the hope of the future. It may be that right now is a terrible time and all I can hang on to is a hope that death will be defeated. So maybe it's the green symbol for you that you're rooting your hope in right now. But what I hope you'll do is not just tell the story of Jesus But how is this story interacting in my own life? How is this changing me? How am I being called further and further into God's kingdom? This is good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, as I thought about how to close this series after so long, it's hard to know how to sum it up. I wanted to summarize some things, and I hope what I've just done in some ways just reminds you of all that we've talked about. But I want to close this morning with as clear a picture as I possibly can of the good news of what the gospel is. And I know I've done that through these symbols, but these are words I've written that I hope will be a blessing to you. First of all, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. Good advice is about what we do to somehow make ourselves right before God. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about what God has done. And there's always a response to good news. When you find out news about the stock market or you find out news about your kids, you respond to that, you welcome that, you receive that, you tell everyone you can about it. But this is not a story about good advice, this is a story about good news. The gospel is an unexpected foreign notion, a strange idea that cuts against so many of the dominant ways we come to see the world as we know it. When I talk about gospel, I talk about it as Jesus' announcement of good news and a blessing for everybody who needs it. Because throughout the years, I've interacted with thousands of people who were operating under the conviction that if they could just get better, if they could become more moral, if they could become more disciplined or more spiritual or more religious or pick up more jargon along the way, they would be accepted or embraced or validated or affirmed by God. I've often been asked, isn't the only thing that really matters that we become good people? This sounds great and... and, being and doing good are obviously a part of our response to the good news. But there's a thing you can begin to hear in that. There's a subtle belief system that emerged that just below this sensible, conventional, common way of seeing God, and that question that flows from a belief that God operates according to a point or a merit system, that if we can just accumulate enough points, if we can just read our Bible enough, if we can just get rid of enough sins, if we can just Spend enough time in prayer, then God will finally be happy with us. And let me tell you this morning, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel is the shocking, provocative, revolutionary, subversive, counterintuitive good news that in your moments of greatest despair and failure and sin and weakness and helplessness and wandering and falling short, can anyone say amen this morning? God meets you there, right there, right exactly there in that place and announces I am on your side. Gospel insists that that God doesn't wait for us to get ourselves polished and shined and proper and without blimpish. God comes and meets us and blesses us while we're in the middle of the messes that we create. Gospel isn't isn't getting it together so we can have God's favor. Gospel is finding God exactly in the moment of our most non-togetherness. Gospel is grace, and grace is a gift, and you don't earn a gift, you simply receive it. You don't make it happen, it happens to you. Gospel isn't doing enough good to be made worthy, it's your eyes being open to your unworthiness, and saying, God, I can't do this on my own, no merit system can I accomplish good enough. No, 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 God, my confession before you is I'm not good enough. And I've given up that striving, I've given up that system, and I'm offering to you that the only way I can be received and changed is through your good news and through your gift, and I receive that again. Being a good person then naturally flows, not from trying to get God on our side, but it it flows from the realization that God has been on our side the whole time. The gospel calls us to a major change in thinking. A giant shift in our understanding. A massive leap in how you see yourself. Otherwise, you're stuck in the same old paradigm of trying to earn something you just will never be able to get right. You see why so often Jesus screams out, repent! The way we hear that is like somebody screaming this on a street corner with all kinds of anger and rage and no love for the people they're talking to. Just nameless faces they scream this word to. But the word repent is not this angry refrain from a God who hates us. No, this is the refrain of a God who's saying, give up on the point system. Give up on trying to climb the rope on your own. Give up on trying to be good enough and be holy enough and read enough and pray enough. Give up on it all. Repent of that and come to depend on what Jesus has done on your behalf. When you come to the end of yourself, You're at that moment in the exact place where you can fully experience God for who He is. Sometimes we think about evangelism as sharing the bad news. Like how do I, I don't want to ruin this friendship because if I have to share this awful news, then what are they going to think of me then? But if this is the news, Give up on your own self-help project. Give up on trying to perfect it all. Give up on all that and hand your life over to God saying, I can't do it. It's got to be you. That's good news and who wouldn't want in on that? I see it all the time on Facebook, guys. You're really good at sharing good news. We've perfected this, haven't we? We have this whole website that's devoted to us sharing our lives and the good news of what's going on. A baby's born and we show the pictures. We... We tell the story later today, I'm sure, where there will be pictures of Nathan being baptized. We want to celebrate that. That's good news. And then we come to the gospel and we come to our friends and we think, oh, I don't know. It's bad news I've got to come to share. I want to ruin a friendship. This is not bad news. It's The best news there could ever be. Sometimes we've heard this in a way that it has been bad news and and, and we feel guilty about it. We think we've got to do more. Listen, we respond out of love to the grace we've received. But we're not earning anything by showing up here on Sunday morning. When you read your Bible later this week, it's not so God will see you and show favor to you. No, it's learning our story again. Learning the way of life. It's all grace. It's all gift. This is the Gospel I hope to point out to you today and forever. And it's the best news there is. You want in on this? Don't we all want in on this? And if you haven't yet gone all in on this. We want to have a conversation with you about that. We want to to use the baptistry more often, right? Maybe you have friends and neighbors that want to have that conversation, it's good news. And I hope over the last eight months we've rooted ourselves in this. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus came to say. And so, I say again with Jesus, not in angry words at all, but with all love, repent. Give up on the old system of the new one that's Jesus' way. Let's pray as we cl- close our time. God, I, I thank you so much for, for Jesus, for his way, for his truth, for the life he offers to us. God, I'm all in on this, and I repent of any time I've tried to do enough or be enough or, 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 or fake an appearance, God, to make it look like I'm I'm better than I am. That's not the project. So, God, today as we leave, would you remind us of this? Would you help us walk more in tune with this? May we share this with those who need good news, not the bad news we sometimes worried about sharing before. pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know we've gone over time today. I got passionate a little bit, and I hope you'll forgive that a little bit. Kids have done well today. But I want to close today with a, a blessing that we do on these Sundays before school starts. I want to ask all those who are students, those who are going to be walking into schools as counselors, as teachers, as administrators, as staff, if you're going into a school uh, or just have or are about to going into a college or university would you would you stand right now where you're at we want to we want to pray over each and every one of you students as well, please stand i want to say to you all thank you for what you're doing. you are missionaries you're you're taking the good news with you wherever you go, and this world needs it desperately so for those who've done this for years and those who are going back again for a long after a long time or maybe for the first time. Let me encourage you and say thank you for what you're doing. But often we end there on these back to school Sundays and there's more to this than that. These symbols that we've, we've planted about the good news, they're not just for teachers and students to take with them. They're for all of us, aren't they? So I want to ask all of us to stand right now because this is the end of a series and what I want to end us doing is commissioning and really ordaining us all again as ministers. And we've lost this. Because we think that sometimes what it means to be a minister is to to have a business card and an office in the church, and the rest of you are just people who, I don't know, give makeup contributions to make that all happen. It's not the project here. All of us are ministers of the gospel. We're all a part of the priesthood of all believers. And so you take these symbols, you take this good news, and it's not just... For, for me to share or you to bring people to me, you're all, I want to I want to commission all of you with this good news. You're all ministers. So as you leave today, you're going to have a, a card that people will hand you on the way out. It's a, a business card. It's a reminder to you with these symbols on them with a blank line for you to put your name. That you're ministers. There's actually a title minister on the bottom of the card. Because it's not this clergy, laity distinction. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel. This is for all of us to share in. So I want to pray right now for not just the teachers and the students. I want to do that. I want to pray for all of us as we're sent out, that we'll be the ministers God has ordained and called us to be. God, this morning I pray for the students who are about to enter into schools for the first time with the anxiety that produces. I pray for those that are excited to go back, and I pray for those that don't want to go back. God, for all those that are entering in, would you protect them, but more than that, God. Would you empower them as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, as citizens of another world, another kingdom that's on its way, I pray also for our teachers and administrators and and, and staff and and all those who will be entering into schools. God, would you give them the words to speak and would you allow them a boldness to step over lines that are drawn for them when appropriate to give students what they need for their own self-esteem but to also enlighten them about good news that's bigger than the news we report on every day on our news. channels. God, empower them and and allow them to be lights. Thank you for what they do and, and protect them, God. I pray also for all those who will enter into offices later this week, who will be at home with children, uh, teaching them and forming them in their early years. Uh, for those who will enter into schools, for those who are, will enter into governmental buildings, for those who will enter into all kinds of places. All of us, God, are committed again to this gospel, this good news. God, let us plant these seeds. May you be, may you be with us as we leave these doors back into this world that so desperately needs good news. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.